Good morning and happy Monday, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to episode 117 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and this guest I have had so many requests to have on. Um, I get emails, I get messages through Instagram about, hey, connect with somebody here, connect with somebody at this company. We really want to hear from these guys. So I did. And they're super cool dudes over there. So uh, yeah, they hopped on. Before I get to that, as you could probably tell from the quote that I used on Instagram for this episode, this guest is a print guy. And when we're talking about print, I put together this free guide, and I've mentioned it before, but wanted to shout it out here. A free guide for designers who are designing for print. Now, this guide goes through the top things to double check your file for before you send it to a printer. Even experienced print designers can forget these things sometimes. The guide is totally free, and you just head over to thequickiepodcast.com and you can pick that guide up there. Don't miss it. If you're doing any kind of print design or thinking about it, this is a great intro of things to watch for and things that you need to have correct in your file before sending to a printer. And it starts to cost you money, starts to cost you time to make these corrections. Okay, so today's guest. My guest today is Dan Jansen. He's the creative director at Lincoln Design Co. in Portland. Lincoln Design Co. Tell me you haven't heard of them. I know you have. Come on now. During this episode, we get into talking about what inspired him to first get into design, where he first started seeing it, his first job out of college at DC Shoes. We talk about when you're in a studio environment, how do you do great work for clients, but not lose sight of your own brand? Because your own studio brand is just as important too. Talk about Tony Hawk's skateboard graphics and how Dan played a part in those back in the day. We talk about the next spot for studios and designers to start finding new business, to start looking for business. We talk about a printed book that he's working on, uh, basically a summary of the last 15 years of logos that he's been a part of. He tells a great story about a project that went sideways because the client was in love with bad design. He talks about a Nike football project that he's super stoked and proud to have been a part of and so much more. Dan was definitely generous in sharing with his stories and his journey and how he got to where he is and how Lincoln is where they are. So ladies and gentlemen, let's dive in. My guest, Dan Jansen. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Dan. How are you today? Good. How are you? Doing great. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. I gotta ask, are you ready for a quickie, sir? I I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's well, been a long time coming. You and I kind of tried to connect for a while. Yeah, a lot of back yeah, and forth, I, but uh, we finally managed to find a quick little spot in our schedules, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready. Cool. Well, let's uh, start with the hardest question first. Briefly, tell the listeners about yourself. 
So my name is Dan Jansen. I am the creative director of Lincoln Design. And yeah, we're kind of we're out here in Portland, Oregon. Small boutique design studio. There's six of us kind of specialize in branding, logos, uh, packaging, illustration, stuff like that for mostly action sports, outdoor, entertainment industries, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Cool. And how long has Lincoln been running for? So Lincoln's been in business for four four years, just mm-hmm. about four years now. Yeah. And before Lincoln, before you got together with that crew, what were you doing? What were you up to then? So before that, I owned a studio down in San Diego, mm-hmm. um, and I had that studio for eleven years. And I had a business partner down there. And after the you know ten eleven years, the kind of partnership basically wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. Closed that studio down and moved the studio up to Portland. Changed the name to Lincoln, and kind of went from there. So, so it's been about I'd say fifteen years of of owning my own studio, mm-hmm. um, but it's been four that it's that it's been called Lincoln. Mm-hmm. So. And you're yeah. still smiling, so you must enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Awesome. No, yeah. Um, Dan, so I want to dive back further than that, further than those 15 years running your own studio. And I want to ask you about your childhood. What was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that kind of pointed you in this career path? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I mean, I hate to- I hate to say it because I feel like I listen to these interviews and everybody say, says the same thing, but you know, I grew up skateboarding and surfing, snowboarding mm-hmm. down in San Diego, and that kind of you know shaped me into uh, you know kind of punk rock music and just basically the you know the album covers, the skateboard art, all that stuff is kind of what got me into kind of noticing you know design, illustration, that whole deal. Mm-hmm. So it kind of set me on that path. I mean, I skated, um, was doing kind of a little contest series at the same time, doing these t-shirts for, for these local skate shops and surf shops, stuff like that. And that's kind of where I got my start in like graphic design and kind of figured out, Hey, this is something I might want to do. So then during high school, I kind of was able to skip all the, the language classes and do art for four years in high school. Yeah. Which was kind of cool. So I did that, had a super cool art teacher. And then after, uh, after graduating from high school, actually didn't go to college right away. I kind of messed around for a couple of years, um, partied a little bit, and then decided, hey, you know, if I want to do this for a career, I need to go to college. So mm-hmm. picked up, moved to uh, Denver, Colorado to go to the Art Institute out there. Um, at that time, they didn't have an Art Institute in San Diego, and they were building L.A. So it was kind of either Denver, I think Atlanta was one of the big ones, Um but I basically went to Denver so I could do art and snowboard at the same time. Nice. So I went out there. Yeah, I went out there, did that whole thing, and then graduated in 99. So, yeah. Nice. So were your parents designers? Were they in the creative field, or did you come upon it yourself? No, they were not. Yeah, I totally came upon it myself. And it was all, you know, all basically because of the, the skateboard graphics and kind of noticing that whole deal. Yeah, no, it was definitely was not a family thing. That's so cool. So whenever somebody comes on and says that that sort of skate culture, music culture got them into design and noticing it and appreciating it, um, the sort of like holy grail project is designing some skateboard decks. You've obviously got a chance to do some of those. Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah, and that kind of spawned from um, when I graduated from the Art Institute. My first job out of college was for DC Shoes, mm-hmm. uh, which is a skate- skateboard shoe company. So I moved back to San Diego, started working at DC Shoes, um, did four and a half years there, 
And while working there, met, you know, a lot of cool people, a bunch of ex, you know, professional skateboarders, Ken Block, who was the owner of DC at the time. Um, so definitely just got my foot in the door there, made a good connection with a lot of good people. So when I did quit and start my own studio, I had some connections in that industry, mm-hmm. which kind of spawned into basically getting the skateboard graphic art and stuff like that. So when was the first skateboard deck that you did? What year was that? How did that come to be? I think that was that was 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we actually, it ended up, geez, what, what is the first one? I'm not, I'm not sure exactly which one would have, would have been the first one, but probably the second client we ever had for skateboard graphics was mm-hmm. Tony Hawk. Cool. Um, and worked at Birdhouse. They were right up, kind of right up the way in San Diego. So ended up hooking up with them, doing some skateboard graphics for Tony Hawk. At the same time, it was myself and my business partner, and we ended up hiring um, a guy, Brandon, out of college, who was actually going to school for animation. Mm-hmm. Graduate graduated with a degree in animation from the Art Institute in San Diego. Went to the portfolio view. We're, we're, we're looking to hire somebody, not necessarily an illustrator at the time, um, but saw his work, his some of his animation work, but then particularly his illustrations. Mm-hmm. Offered him a job. He came on full time, and he did a lot of the Tony Hawk stuff in the beginning. And he's still with me till today. I think it's been eleven years or something, 10, 10 years. So nice. So yeah. he passed yeah, the 10 sure. year, he got himself a nice gold watch and carried on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. An <laughs> <laughs> uh, <and> ax actually. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I got to ask you, what has been the most influential design of your life so far? Maybe it was the first sort of skateboard deck you saw that really lit your fire. Um, what do you think has been the most influential design of your life so far? Jeez. Um, I don't know. I did. I did a lot of skateboard graphics back. This was probably six, seven years ago. We did a lot of stuff for Plan B skateboards, mm-hmm. um, and uh, a lot of stuff for like Paul Rodriguez and Ryan Sheckler and stuff like that. And those were always like, kind of like the stuff that I always wanted to work on. So mm-hmm. I, I would always make sure I did a couple boards as well as the other guys. Um, so I'd say some of that stuff was, but at the same time that company's changed hands. Their graphics aren't as good anymore. Um, the ownership sucks. And so it's one of those things where I, I used to look at, look, look up to those projects mm-hmm. and, and that client at that time, but now it's kind of dwindled and I don't have the same respect for that company that I used to. So, um, I don't know. It would be that, or I would say, uh, Nerf We do some work for Nerf and I did the super soakers logo, Nice. uh, four or five years ago. Yeah. yeah. And it's still, still hanging around on the packaging and they're still using it like five years later. So it's kind of cool to see that. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. And I see that logo every time I buy something that I want to shoot my kids with. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for them to change it. Cause that, that industry, they kind of cycle through logos and, mm-hmm. and branding and stuff pretty quickly. So to see it hanging around for like five years, is kind of cool. It actually inspired me just uh, to think about writing a book called um, Nerf gun parenting. Oh, nice. There you go. Yeah, I haven't got there yet, but I'm still in the notes phase. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. 
So Dan Lincoln has come up on a number a number of times from previous guests as an inspiration to them. Somebody, uh, you know, a group that they look up to, um, and and love the work that you guys are putting out. So I want to ask you now: Who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to or closely follow, and what is it about them that you like? Jeez, um, I mean, I I don't know. Um, there there's one design studio basically, I Love Dust, which they're in the the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot of work for Nike. They, uh, I kind of follow them. They do some really, really solid work. Um, I don't know. There's so many people out there, you know, especially on Instagram and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. getting so saturated. You know, everyone's really good, but I, I would say that's that's the main one. Yeah, I, I mean, it was out of dust. I, I love dust. I love dust. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Out of the UK. Yeah. Yep. Cool. I'll have to look them up. I haven't heard of them before. Yeah, check it out, especially on Instagram. Yeah. So with Instagram becoming more and more saturated, I want to kind of go a little bit um, off script here. As the creative director, where do you think the next um, sort of growth or notoriety will come from for design studios? You know, uh, I don't know, but uh, we need to figure it out because it's getting... I feel like it's getting pretty bad as far as Instagram goes and, and just the, the repeat of designers looking mm-hmm. like the other guys work. And, um, and even, even so far as like clients, like we'll reach out to us, we'll do a little bit of work for them. Then they'll reach out to the next guy on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They'll do the same project, you know, a couple, couple designs from, from them as well as another guy. Um, so even, on the client side, I feel like it's getting saturated where these clients are bouncing around and having two or three designers do the same, same work and the same shit. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I think either Instagram needs to be revamped or everyone needs to take a step back and, and kind of look at what they're posting or what they're doing um, or their style in a, in a way. But I think something else is coming or will come. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like sooner than later, you know, almost like the whole Facebook phase, um, you know, I feel like Instagram is just getting used so much and mm-hmm. overused so much and people are, are relying on it so much um, for work and to get clients and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not to say that we're not, I mean, we get, we get a lot of work and a lot of, you know, inquiries through Instagram as well. Um, but we didn't build this business on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people I think have, you know, um, or, or got started, you know, a couple of years back or mm-hmm. even four or five years ago and basically built their whole portfolio and client base off of what they do on Instagram. Um, I just think people need to take a step back and, and branch out as far as, you know, getting clients and showing work outside of that. Do you guys dabble in uh, LinkedIn at all? Uh, not so much. I mean, I have a profile on there Mm -hmm. Um, myself. Lincoln does not. Um, and we don't post, uh, I don't post on there like what we're doing. Mm Hmm. I know a lot of people do, and it actually, uh, I go there every once in a while, and it, I'm kind of shocked at how much work and, you know, there's some some cool shit on there mm-hmm. that you can get in the, in the feed. And one of the sort of the greatest things um, about it, because I come from a sales background, and being able to talk directly to a decision maker rather than just a marketing assistant reaching out for RFQs, um, you know, you're able to engage in conversations that you otherwise wouldn't through a platform like Instagram direct messaging or something like that. Um, you know, I don't want to discredit Instagram because there is some good exchanges there, 
but LinkedIn is the, you know, is not nearly as saturated, like one one hundredth of the case. And you're able to connect directly with decision makers. True, true. You know who you're talking to. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing with like, you know, DMs on Instagram and stuff like that. It's like you don't know who you're talking to. No. And even when people reach out to, to Lincoln, you know, the, on Instagram, they are talking to me with, through the DMs. But they're kind of like, you know, can I talk to somebody there about this or that? Um, but like you said, on LinkedIn, you know exactly who you're talking to and, and their background, you know, and you can do a little research. So yeah. uh, that is cool. I, I out, have yeah, I need to. I need to dive in a little bit more on that and and uh, kind of check that out. In all that free time you have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to put, I'll put it on my list of shit here on these sticky notes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. You have like the monitor yeah. surrounded by post-it notes. Yeah. Yeah. If I could turn this thing, I'd show you. Yep. <laughs> nice. um, yeah. I want to ask you a question then about being in the creative director role of a studio, you know, a studio that is operating at the pace that Lincoln is operating at brand, like the Lincoln brand is really important, just as important, if not more important than your client's brands. How do you keep that as a priority in a busy studio? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, honestly, the the other studio that I had before we moved up here, it wasn't. We didn't focus so much on the brand of the mm-hmm. studio. You know, um, when I moved it up here to to Portland, it was kind of like, okay, it's a new name. We need to get the name out there. No mm-hmm. one knows who we are. It was still it's still same core group of guys that I had at the other studio. Um, but it was like, okay, we need to, you know, tell people who, who Lincoln is and what they do. So kind of went in heavy on, on the branding and doing a bunch of logos and badges and shit like that. And, and it, and it stuck people, you know, were sharing it kind of, uh, went wild. So mm-hmm. we've just kept pushing on that, started selling some patches, um, hats, stuff like that. The stuff sells well. So it's definitely something that we're going to keep going with. And it's something that I, I put most of that on my plate. Um, and I try and manage kind of, you know, how much of that gets done and, mm-hmm. and keeping f- fresh logos coming out and, and products and whatnot. So it, it's tough, but I, I, these guys are here doing a lot of the day to day work and mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll, and some of that stuff on the side or on the weekend. Perfect. Yeah. So it's definitely in your sort of your regular mix, putting things together for the brand. It is. It is. It's something that's always on on my plate. We kind of do a, a workload list at the beginning of every week, and some of my stuff is always, you know, something to do with the company, whether it's a new logo or a new, new tee or just mm-hmm. updating the website. But it's always on my mind that hey, we haven't we haven't produced anything new lately, or haven't done a new logo or anything like that. And so I'll kind of dig in on that, or I'll come up with a concept kick it over to Davey or to Brandon or somebody and be like, Hey, can you illustrate this, you know, this little icon or something for me? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's something that's something that's always on my plate. Good. Good. Um, I want to ask you a question now about print. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you have utilized print in your design career or with Lincoln? Um, and you know, any stories around print or packaging you have that you could share or recent projects? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a print guy. I, I still still uh, live and die by print. I mean, I honestly print out every. It, it's probably pretty sad because I could track all the projects through, you know, s- some app or some program. But for the most part, I, I print out every project we have so I can visually see everything. Hold you know, hold mm-hmm. a piece of paper, write notes on that piece of paper, as opposed to going to the computer and putting in notes and having a you know calendar or whatever. 
So I'm super heavy on print. I mean, I started in the print industry with DC and doing ads. Um, so I always feel like I need something physical. Um, we always make, and that's where I make a book of all of our work every year. Uh-huh. Um, we actually have a new book coming out. It's It'll be out for Black Friday, but it'll, it'll drop right before, uh, probably around November 20th, because we're doing Designer Con on the 22nd um, mm-hmm. to the 25th. So, But it's basically going to be a logo book. It's called Logo Mayhem, and it's going to be a book of basically the last 15 years of logos that we've worked on. So. Mm-hmm. So that's something where, you know, it's one of those things where, oh, I can make a PDF of this, put it up online, you could download the PDF, and it's going to save me a shit ton of money. Um, but I would rather print a legit physical book that someone can buy or I can personally hold in my hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I, I, th- I, I feel like print is still relevant and, you know, you definitely need to produce some of your work in print, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to just updating your website and, and Instagram and, you know, never really taking anything to print. For sure. And do you have a lot of... I don't of, know if that answered the question. <laughs> no, totally did. Yeah, it's great to, because th- you guys are utilizing print for the studio and putting books out. Um, yeah. Are you doing a lot of print work for clients as well? Um, we do. Yeah, we do a lot of packaging mm-hmm. um, for the most part. A lot of it is, is in the packaging world. Um, a lot of stuff for the entertainment industry, toy industry. So we'll do packaging for Transformers or we just wrapped up some Ghostbusters packaging where we're doing like full blown box, um, you know, box designs that'll hold a toy or a fold out box with a sleeve that's foil embossed and and the whole deal. So that packaging stuff is super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then why? in the end, we, what's it? Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, so why is, um, you know, foiling, embossing, packaging, why is that stuff important for businesses? Um, I think it grabs the consumer's, you know, the consumer's attention. I mean, I feel like, like I said, everything is so digital nowadays that if you can get your hands on something and then actually hold it, it's almost like, you know, it's kind of like the whole retro throwback. Everyone's doing retro this, retro that. I mean, it's, it's almost the same thing where print, I feel like, is coming back around. And people are like, well, you know, I, I'd like to hold on to something. I'd like to buy that book and actually have a physical copy. And then if you can do something, you know, like a foil emboss or something like that, where it gives it a little bit more, you know, value to it, mm-hmm. like our logo book coming out will be probably a black foil emboss on the on the cover of that. Um, it's just something that I th- think you need to take your packaging a little bit further than mm-hmm. just a print on a box, you know? It's almost like the tangible items they print in the packaging are now refreshing in this digital world of scanning through Instagram and seeing ad, ad, ad. You know, it's yep. just a completely different way to get a consumer's attention and interact with them on a way that you just can't with digital. For sure. Exactly. And you see, you know, you see that with so much time being put into, you know, the beer packaging or the coffee packaging and stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of thought. There's a lot of money spent on the printing of, of all that stuff nowadays because mm-hmm. I think the value's there and the customer, you know, appreciates it now more than ever, you know? Definitely. No, I couldn't agree more. Um, so, Dan, the next couple of questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you likely made some mistakes, you likely learned some lessons, and I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. Um, but I'll turn it around. We'll end in a happy place, I promise. <laughs> so what, uh, what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging, and how did you get through it? Um, Jeez. I mean, I would say it was just closing the old studio and moving it up here, obviously. 
Um, you know, it was 10, 11 years of building a name, you know, and clientele underneath a, a certain name, you know, and then to shut that down and, and change the name and try and get, keep everybody on board, keep your clients going and, and then rebrand the studio, um, was obviously a, a big challenge as well as moving it, you know, from California to, to Oregon. Um, so I, I would say that was definitely one of the biggest, um, so I want to put yep. uh, myself in your in your seat there. Were there what were the signs or what sort of led to that that closure decision? Is there anything you could share with that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, when it's a fifty fifty partnership mm-hmm. and it's not people aren't doing fifty fifty work, it doesn't. It can only go on for so long. The math you know? doesn't work. Uh, yeah, it doesn't work. You know, someone gets pissed at some point. Um, and when the employees start noticing it and start saying shit, then, you know, at some point it's like, okay, you know, you, you talk about it, you try and work it out. You do that for a year or two. And if it doesn't work, it's not going to work. You know, you can't Mm. continue on with something where someone's chilling and the other, the other one's busting his ass, you know? So Mm. yeah, it's kind of, kind of one of those deals. So then getting through that was, it was just something you had to do and, you know, you had to just ride the wave of whatever happens after. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause I knew, you know, I knew this is what I wanted to do for a living and I, and I definitely wanted to own my own studio and, and I didn't plan on changing that, you know, mm-hmm. I just didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be held back by, by somebody else or, mm-hmm. you know, their work ethic to, to determine where I was going, you know? So were you able to retain clients from that transition or did you come up here and start fresh basically? No, no, we retained like most of, most of my clients. And then as well as, uh, basically half over half the crew and the guys here, um, Davey, Dustin, Damaso and Brandon all came from the old studio. So, and they moved up to Portland with you. Uh, Davey and Dustin did. Yeah. Brandon and Damaso stayed in San Diego, Uh um, worked working from home full time. Yeah. And then Jordan joined the team a couple of years back. So, yep. so was there like the Jerry Maguire moment where you got the goldfish in the bag and who's coming with me? Yeah. 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 <laughs> kind of, kind of, it was similar. Yeah. <laughs> Stand awesome. up now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Dan, now I want to dive into a design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired results, something specific or an actual project. Um, what was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Um, yeah, definitely. We had, I won't say names, but we had a, a, uh, uh, it wasn't an esports. It was a, uh, what was it called? A fantasy football league Mm -hmm. that this company was starting. Um, they came to us to do a couple of the logos for a couple of the different teams for the fantasy football league. And mm-hmm. it was a pretty big league. They had a bunch of funding, um, and they already had two or three of the logos for the teams already completed. Mm-hmm. Um, so they basically came to us. They're like, Hey, here's three of the teams. These are the logos for the teams. We want you guys to do two or three of the other teams. So the, the th- problem was when I looked at the first three teams that the logos were done, uh, com- you know, they were completed. They were already using them on things. They were just, the logos were really, really bad. Right. Um, yeah. To the point of like, damn, is this like, is your little mascot a clip art that you pulled from Shutterstock? Or it's what, the like, fiber is- stuff before the funding kicked in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, that might've been the issue. I don't know, but you know, they were, they expressed to us that they were pretty happy with 
those first three logos and they wanted us to do the other ones. Well, I've had, I've had kind of had this happen before with other clients. I feel like if a client comes to you with either previous designs or their current designs are super bad, but, but they think that they're great. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, these are great. You know, the stuff we have now is amazing. Um, but we want you to do something different or something better. I always feel like that's a red flag as far as their vision mm-hmm. and what they think is good design definitely doesn't align with, you know, with myself. Um, and so I kind of right off the bat, I was like, damn, if this, you know, this is what they think is good. You know, what, what are they going to think of the stuff that we do? Cause it's not going to look like this, mm-hmm. you know? Um, to me, it's going to look better, but to them, is it going to look worse? Is it going to be the total wrong direction? Da da da. So sure enough, um, we ended up starting with one of the logos, one of the teams, we did it. They came back, all these changes, changes that are, were kind of in a different direction than what we thought, you know, mm-hmm. it should go here. Kind of dumbed, dumbing everything down. And basically in the end, we ended up wrapping up one logo for them. Um, the other two teams, they they went elsewhere to get those done. Um, and I'm, I'm convinced it was, you know, truly because they, they have a totally different vision for what good design is, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to convince them, you know, anything different. So, so yeah, basically that project went south. We just did the one logo. Um, and it's something that I, we don't even show or anything cause it, it wasn't what we wanted mm-hmm. to produce. So, so yeah, I would just, I mean, my, uh, one thing that I kind of learned from that and I kind of already knew going in was that, you know, it, if you, if your client's in love with bad design, they're not, you know, and, and you got, you do decent work. They're probably not going to be happy with what you produce for them. So do you think clients, um, are you, you, people are able to convince clients what good design is, or they either get it or they don't. I feel it's about 80% of the time they, they either get it or they don't, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like, um, yeah, I feel like you can do a little bit of convincing, you know, when you, um, but if they have stuff that's already printed, there are they've already spent money on it. You know, they're totally committed um, for you to convince them to either ditch that or that you know your new designs are going to look totally different than what they have. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a tough sale, you yeah, know. For sure. Yeah, I personally think it's just yeah, they're, they're set in their mind, you know. And it's you know it's like anything else. I mean, there's you know, you like something different than I like, it's not always going to work out, but mm-hmm. I, I just, sometimes I wonder why they even, you know, why a client like that would even come to us when they kind of knew what they were going to get and it wasn't going to match up with, you know, their old stuff. Mm-hmm. So definitely. I like how you pointed out that, you know, when they, when they approached you and said, Oh, we love these three logos that we've already got, you know, red flag went up. Yeah. Yeah, because we did not love them. <laughs> we actually tried to convince them, you know, hey, can we can we work on these as well and kind of revamp these and clean them up a little bit and and uh, you know kind of get everything to match. And they're like, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with these. These are amazing. So, <laughs> yeah. is that like the uh, the term that designers use to like quickly sell a client about a whole new logo? Is just say, oh, just we just want to clean it up a bit. Yeah, yeah, just- exactly. <laughs> But these needed it. These needed yeah. to be cleaned up and yeah, then there needed some changes, but for sure. Yeah. Um, what is something you're struggling with in your design career right now, Dan? Uh, I would say time, mm-hmm. just finding, you know, finding the time to, 
for whatever it is, update the website, post on Instagram, uh, me personally work on, you know, some designs and, mm-hmm. and, you know, put my, my two cents in on, you know, doing some of the design work. Um, I mean, like right now I'm working on putting this 240 page book together. So that consumes like all my extra time I have where I could kick in on a project mm-hmm. or take on one of the logo projects myself, um, for the next month, you know, I'm going to be in a rush to get this book mm-hmm. laid out and finished, you know? Um, so for me, it's always, it's always just time, you know, time management, finding, mm-hmm. finding time to, finding time to, to do what I enjoy, you know, um, which is design. You and know, you- I, I, I didn't get in this business to answer a shit ton of emails every day. <laughs> For sure. You know? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have a significant other that you're looking to spend time with as well? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm married and, and three boys. So I, I try and juggle that as well, you know? <laughs> so how do you get balance to their, it all? Yeah, exactly. Get to their football games or whatever. So yeah, that's definitely, you know, and I try and we, we try and all of us here try and keep like a, a pretty normal standard schedule. Uh-huh. Um, these guys come in at eight, leave at five. I kind of come in a little earlier, um, but we try not to let the clients kind of dictate our life and, mm-hmm. and work a shit ton of hours every week. You know, we try and keep it pretty, pretty much eight, nine hour day and, uh, you know, call it a day and move on. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely, definitely time management. I would say would, would be the biggest struggle. Got it. All right, Dan, I'm going to turn this bus around for you. Um, I want you to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of one that just makes your heart sing, or maybe it's the biggest design feather in your cap. Um, we, we wrapped up one recently that we just, that we posted on Instagram, um, for a Nike football. Uh-huh. So, uh, uh, Nike has kind of like this icon. It's like a football that they've done they've their their last one they had for two two or three years but basically it kind of represents their whole uh american not soccer american football mm-hmm. um so it represents like all of nike football and it's it's basically a little icon of a, of a football and it has a place in there where you can put all the nfl logos or all the college logos so they came to us two years ago to redesign that um it was a super rush project. We worked on a bunch of sketches, turned them around in two days, sent them over to them. They liked everything we, we sent, but then they came back and we're basically, basically said, we're going to put this on pause. We're going to use last year's logo and just, just rerun it. Well, they came back a year later and said, okay, we're ready this time to redo the logo. So we worked on it a year ago, but it just came out. And mm-hmm. So now it's ending up on apparel, you know, for all the different football teams and college teams. So it's just a nice little cool, uh, football icon, you mm-hmm. know, that ends up getting used in a lot of places. So that was definitely a cool, cool, fun project. It's, you know, it's one of those things where we work on a lot of projects and some, a lot of times you turn it over to the client and you think it's going to get used or you hope it's going to get used somewhere. And then you never see, you know, it never sees the, the light of day mm-hmm. for whatever, for whatever reason, you know, the marketing manager at the end was like, Oh, you know, we're going to go in a different direction or the light, lightning bolts on this logo aren't, aren't working now or whatever. So it never gets used or get, gets out there. So it's always cool when you do see the final product and, and then it gets, you know, utilized in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Does it ever get old seeing whether it's the Lincoln t-shirt out in public or something else that you've done work on? Does it ever get old seeing that or is it still cool? 
No, it's still cool. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Did you ever tap someone yeah. on the shoulder in the coffee shop lineup and say, Hey, I did that logo. I uh, did actually. Yeah. Labor day weekend. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Random enough for labor day weekend. I was down in uh, bend, Oregon and there's like this big pool and, and stuff where you can hang out during the day. And, uh, my wife's like, is that, look at that, that guy's hat. Is that a Lincoln hat? And I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah, it is. So yeah, I went up to him. I actually had the same sticker in my wallet that the patch of the patch on his hat. So I went up to him, gave him the sticker and I was like, where'd you get the hat? And he had bought it out. We have our stuff in a couple shops down on the Oregon coast. Mm-hmm. So he had bought it down there the week before. So I was like, right on man. Thanks for the support and, and whatever. So what a yeah, cool no, moment. Like, that must've blown his mind. Yeah, yeah, it blew, I think it blew my mind more than his, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I you know we get people that buy it, but it's not like you, you see it a bunch, so it's always cool if you do. It's like, oh shit, that's cool. Someone man. someone bought that, yeah. <laughs> um, so Dan, I want to ask you about what is one design product, tool, website, or a community that you just can't live without. Um, I would say Slack. Um, we started using Slack, uh, like two years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's just been a huge help as far as all six of us talking. Um, even, I mean, even to the point where here in the studio, I mean, we have a big open room, big open concept. I can yell over to these guys, but we'll still just kind of, if it's just a quick note, we'll just type it up real quick, Slack back and forth, um, mm-hmm. as well as transferring, you know, small files back and forth. So Instead of getting up and walking ten feet, we'll just <laughs> throw throw the file on Slack and uh, and transfer it. So I would say it'd be that. That's kind of the the biggest thing is that's sort of keeping, helped us keeping the conversation organized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It keeps it organized. It keeps it quick. It 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 allows you to cleans up your email, so you're not emailing you know little things back and forth. Mm-hmm. It, it it eliminated us here in the studio having to email each other or anything like that. It's just all done through Slack. That's cool. Yeah. Nicely said. All right. Well, Dan, you've reached the point of the show for the ask it forward question. This is where I wrap it up. Um, I've got a question for you from my previous guest and you have the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So my previous guest was Josh Sullivan from Fry Design Co. And uh, he wanted to ask, and have you seen The Matrix? Uh, I have. It's been a long time. Okay, so it's not the question, but basically in the movie, the guy gets the question, red pill or blue pill? The red pill is you know everything. The blue pill is blissful ignorance for the rest of your life. Red pill or blue pill, Dan? Uh, The the first one was red, right? Red pill, know everything, or blue pill? Blissful I'll ignorance. Do, I'll do red. Red, know everything. Yeah, yeah I think so. Nice. <laughs> um, okay. yeah, so I'll what would that. be your ask it forward question, Dan? Um, Jeez. Uh, okay. Mine would be if you could set up a studio, an office, anywhere in the world, where would it be? Nice. I like that one. You First could, time I've had that. You could work anywhere at a desk, you know, whether it's by yourself or with other people, but where would that be? Awesome. I love it. Dan, yeah. I'm going to ask that question of the next guest. Cool. Perfect. After listen for the answer. Dan, that's the end of the quickie podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for making the time in your busy schedule. And uh, I really appreciate it.
Yeah, thank you, Dave. That was fun. All right. That is the end of today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you really enjoyed Dan's stories and hearing you know, how he got to where he is and the stuff that just lights him up, that makes him feel real happy. Um, definitely head over to thequickiepodcast.com and pick up that guide that I created for you, uh, the free guide for creating or sending files in for print, the things to look out for when sending files in for print. That's what I'm trying to say. Thank you very much again. I'll be back tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye.